righty. It is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I am Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show is sponsored by Cheshire Impact on a mission to help you maximize your use of marketing automation and CRM. Bam, CheshireImpact.com. Today's guest is, before I introduce who she is, she's really cool. Now, here's the question. How many times have you been at work, all you amazing listeners out there, half of which are my family, all you folks out there, how many times you've been at work and you run some tests? I don't care what field you're in, what industry, you run some tests or you run some report and the results you get are ridiculous. They don't make sense. You're smarter than the results and you're like, this is, this is wrong. This is incorrect. The question is, what do you do in those situations? Do you carry on? Do you just ignore it? Somebody else's problem? Do you tell someone? But that doesn't actually fix it now, does it? My guest today had this happen around marketing reporting which is the theme for today. And what did she do? She decided she was going to actually create an app that would fix the issue. So let me introduce Nikki Lacox, a longtime marketer, a marketing consultant, and also now the founder of Uger. And we'll talk about what that is, but it's an app to help you with dark traffic. Doesn't that sound dark? Dark traffic <laughs> in Google Analytics. Nikki, how are you? I'm good. You make me sound so great. Thank you, you are great. <laughs> You're the star. So welcome. And, and the theme we were chatting about earlier too, the theme around that maturity model for marketing automation, the, the theme is all about reporting and attribution because we don't want people just to go build things. We want them to do it in the right order. And previously we had a, a theme of last month was all around understanding your buyer. This month is really around reporting and attribution, understanding what actions you're taking, understanding what lead sources you're doing actually work before you build, click, send, setting up reporting, have that reporting discipline. And so what better? I was out there on the Twitter sphere and Nikki, you and, you and I were just sort of tweeting back and forth and I was like, this is beautiful. And then I saw you had an app as well. So, you know, we could just chat marketing all day, but the fact that you went out and created this thing, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> are, there, are there any myths that you want to smash? Because we are a smashing show here. Hardcore marketing. Tell it like it is. What do you want to blow up? Yeah. So um, great question. And by the way, I've been a longtime fan of Cheshire Impact. You guys. Um, oh, the love me. is all around. <laughs> you guys helped me with getting my uh, Pardot consultant certification. You guys awesome. have great content. So thank you for being you. You're welcome. <laughs> right, wait, Chick-fil-A. Um, what do they say? Chick-fil-A. They're like, oh, my pleasure. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The only thing I know is um, eat more beef, right? Or eat, eat more. No, that's. No, that's, it's um, eat more chicken. Eat, oh, yeah. Eat more chicken. They spell yeah. it wrong. Yeah. But I digress. You're about to smash yeah. something. You're about yeah. to punch some myth in the face around reporting. What, what's the deal? Well, um, just taking, uh, just installing the tracking code from Google Analytics into your website is just not enough. Um, not only that, uh, just taking the reporting that you see for face value is definitely not enough. Um, I learned that um, I'm not as popular or the brand that I was working for was not as popular as what I may think or what Google Analytics may have made me think because all of that direct traffic was not actually direct traffic. It was actually a result of other sources leading um, people to my website. So It wasn't even real. It was like phantom traffic. Is this, <laughs> is this what dark traffic is? No, dark traffic is that um, that traffic that you're not able to actually see the the oh. sources. So Jeez. It's, uh, okay, so we'll get into that. But 
back to your myth. It's not enough just to put Google Analytics. By the way, if you're a marketer and you don't have Google Analytics, y'all get some. But if you're not a marketer, Google Analytics is what is it? It's like it's like the baseline reporting tool you need, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's free, so there's no reason not to have it. It's super easy to install. You just paste some code in your website, and it tells you who your users are. So. But it's now what now what's happening though you you just paste it on there and you just see the, the face value you're getting an inflated number yeah well, yeah sure um one of the the issues that I saw with um, one of my customers and this is actually a, a very common mistake that um, people don't account for is um, not filtering out your internal traffic. So, uh, you know, Casey, you guys have a web developer on site and they're constantly making updates to the website or you're a, a content marketer and you're writing blog posts all day and you're right. on your website all day and you're sending the, the links out to your um, team to review. And so you've got all of these hits on your website. Well, once you filter out that IP address from your office, you're going to see a major shift in your, your traffic reporting. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking of me alone, you know, listening to my own podcast over and over again and the, or, or looking at my own website, hitting refresh over and over back in the days of the, the click counter where you're like, Oh, the little digit goes up by one. You just click it yourself to see it go up. Uh, but you brought up a, gr a great point. It's not just ourselves, even the marketing team, the amount of updates or, or looks at a page we're going to do pales in comparison to developers because they might even be using a tool that updates the thing and needs to load it so it can load it like every two seconds. And that, man, that, that how inflated can the account get? I mean, um, you know, as long as they're uh, with each new hit, um, yeah. uh, and you know, after they, after they, uh, have been on, you know, a website for, um, 30 minutes, I think that the, the count restarts, um, I, you know, I'm I'm not the actual scientist. No, but. yeah, but I just I, I can't even imagine like you know you got developers hitting it, you've got mm -hmm. your content writers like you were saying, you got all these these internal teams hitting your own resources, and like maybe you're like, oh look at us, we're amazing, or you just had a content project that basically spiked your hits and you didn't you didn't clear out your own team from the reporting. Right. Well, here's another example too. Yeah. Let's say that um, when you, um, you have maybe a check-in process or something at your place of business and you've got your landing page up on a, um, a laptop or a tablet or something for people to yep. sign in, um, you know, that's going to be internal traffic as well that you could be filtering out. It's not actually people that are browsing mm -hmm. your, your website. Um, you know, Salesforce does that when you visit their offices. They have a like an iPad up and you fill it out and then it prints the badge. But that's a great point. If if that's not filtered out, then that can be showing traffic. Hope hopefully they've got that figured out. But that's a that's a great example where yeah. you hey, we've got you just have a lot of visitors, but it's an increasing numbers. And and I guess the bragging rights is one thing, but then you just want to know the accuracy. Oh, and I guess if you have too many coming in, your conversion rates look horrible because Yeah. These fake people aren't converting, but they weren't going to convert ever. Right smashed so what do you need to do okay so i won't do that i won't just put tracking code on my site but i'm sure everyone's doing that they're just dropping it on there leaving it alone and then they're getting these crazy numbers so what do you got to do you got to clear out the ips what what's your your hit list well you can um you create uh, a filter and um a new property view um within google analytics so you can actually mm. 
maintain all of that raw data, but then to actually see uh, who your who your users are, you look at the different view. Um, so that's one way. But um, the other thing uh, that's so easy to implement is um, just using uh, basic Google Analytics uh, goals, setting up goals. So mm -hmm. if you've got, um, you know, a, a contact form, even if it's just your contact form, you know, maybe you've got your, your marketing team that um, they're creating all uh, a whole bunch of um, lead gen forms. Sure. Um, whatever. Set up, uh, you know, the Google Analytics uh, goals to say if somebody hits this page, we know that they've converted, um, that they filled out this form. And just a really simple way, um, if you're using a like a, a WordPress plugin or something, after somebody has filled out that form, send them to a, a thank you page. And that's really easy mm. to, to set up and track that goal. Yeah, so. that makes a lot of sense. So that way you're not just looking at, you know, some of that hogwash Hogwash, that's like a <laughs> 1920s term. I don't, know, I don't know what decade that's from. Someone should tweet me and tell me what decade that's from. But um, there's all these other data points that goals, I mean, that's action. That's conversions. That's things you, I guess it doesn't always have to be conversions too. Like you could set a goal for just getting to a page like you're saying. Yeah. Indicate something else. Getting to a page, how much time somebody has spent on your mm -hmm. site, how many pages they have actually viewed. Um, to measure, you know, how um, interactive and engaging your site is. Right. Um, you know, if people have downloaded a PDF. Um, yeah, there's there are a number of different ways that you can show that your your marketing and your website are actually working for you. Interesting. Are there stats you like to throw out? Any stats you want to smash? Mm. Sometimes, you know, sometimes like impressions. We've had some people that love impressions uh, yeah. come here, but sometimes there's. I mean, the time on page, it gets kind of confusing. So unless you know what you're, you're looking at, I mean, it could just mean they found what they found or they, mm -hmm. they left when they, any kind of stats you, you shy away from or is it more holistic? You look at everything. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I can't name anything just off the top of my head. Sure. Yeah, this is like the make you that. think show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can ask me a tough question. I have no idea the answer either. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> so what I am curious about is, is this, I was going to say dark matter, but <laughs> that's a different show. This is not a physics show. Um, <laughs> not yet, at least. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it turns into one, but dark traffic. Mm -hmm. Is dark traffic like dark matter of the internet? What is dark traffic? Yeah, so dark traffic, um, just in a, a nutshell, is traffic that um, lands on your website that um, the source is unknown. You know, it's there's a lot of it that shows up in your reports as direct traffic. So you think that people are typing mm. in CheshireImpact.com. Well, most of the time people aren't going to, unless they're already really aware of your brand. Everyone does that, right? Right. They're going to land on you, uh, your site from, from organic search, or they liked you on Twitter, or they listened to the hardcore marketing podcast. I am. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then also, you know, drilling down into your campaign reports, um, Google gives you the ability to see, um, you know, our, which channels are performing best. Is it direct traffic? Is it organic traffic? Mm. Is it social, email, referrals? Um, those are just some of the default out-of-the-box um, channel groupings that you can look at. Um, but when you look at direct traffic, there's, it's just dark. It's unknown. There's no way to know, you know. So you know, yeah, that it's so it's so cool. We're talking about this because it, I think it really rounds out. 
this whole theme about first touch, the source. Where did you find this? But what? How did you? What are they? What channel brought them to you? Mm-hmm. And to your point, and anyone that doesn't know, direct traffic is what someone typing it in the browser. Yep. Well, yep. so so they say it's supposed to be that, but then it yeah. sounds like this dark traffic is. Google Analytics being like, well, I don't really know where it came from, so yeah. I'm going to just lop it into that, which definitely can drive you crazy. And you can't, and then you can't attribute. Maybe you spent some money on some campaign. You want to be able to give it credit, so yes. you can go do more of it. So, what is there a way to figure that out? Is and is this oh, the yeah. challenge you bumped into? It is you to make your app like what? What was the whole situation? How did that that go down? Right. So, um, you know, I. I'm a member of a, uh, a, a marketing community here in Indianapolis cool. and What's it called? Um, it's, uh, it's torchlight marketing. Okay. So they have a, a, a set of, or a pool of uh, freelance marketers and there's a lot of really bright people um, that are included in this. Um, they've got a Slack group that, you know, will share um, tips and whatever, Sweet. but um, somebody had mentioned the uh, Google campaign URL builder uh, mm-hmm. in the, the feed. And I didn't know what it was at the time. This is, I don't know, like maybe eight, nine months ago, something like that. Sure. And so I, I started looking at it and it gives you the way to, um, whenever you create a blog post, um, you can tag it with what are called UTM tags. Um, so that you can say specifically what uh, source you're going to be sharing this content on. So cheshireimpact.com slash blog. Um, um, the source is Facebook. The medium mm. we know is social media. So you can tag it as social media. Um, if it's a part of a um, just a campaign that you're launching, let's say hardcore marketing podcast. Yeah. Um, you can name that as your campaign. So you've got these different fields in the URL sure. builder that you can really um, allow yourself to drill down into your analytics reports to see what exactly is working and what is driving that traffic. Got it. And the idea is if you tag the link that you're creating, when someone clicks on it, you're able, Google then picks up on those extra words, yeah. right? And they're able yeah. to. Yeah, so this is this is cool. When you can control the link, you can add so many extra details into it. Exactly. I mean, this could be anything too. It could be a paid ad. It could be off your Twitter profile. It could be a anything. Link, right? Social ads. Yeah. Um, you let's say that you blog about um, about Uger. And, sure. um, I, I want to give you a link that, um, your, your readers can link back to my website. Well, I want to know that, um, Casey sent that over. Right. So, yeah. There's all different, uh, ways that you can tag and, and monitor and measure. Absolutely. And, and when I tell people Uger is O O G E R, right? Is that it? You are. Oh, you are. O O. Yeah. Like for URL.com. Yeah. And you type that in right now. That'll be direct traffic, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if they click on it from your website and we've got it tagged appropriately, right. we'll know that it came directly from you. Right. So, okay. So this is, this is like wizard level. This is wizard level use of Google Analytics. And what situation happened? Because you had some, did you have dark traffic happening? What was the situation that got you frustrated? Well, so it wasn't necessarily the dark traffic because okay. using the URL builder um, helped to start to um, fix my dark traffic issue. Mm, okay. But what it was, was I was looking at my, um, my campaign reports, um, especially after I started using uh, Google's Data Studio, which is amazing. Um, but 
I started to see that because I wasn't keeping up um, like a, a running spreadsheet or a tally of each of the different parameters that I was using, yeah. um, my reporting was off. So I, at one, uh, for one URL, I used Facebook, all lowercase letters. And then oh, I, no. <laughs> for a different one, I used capital F for the Facebook. Um, and then, so I had, you know, several different line items in my report. Is it case sensitive? It is case sensitive. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, learning that I was like, okay, so there's gotta be a better way because this is a pain in the ass to go to this website, um, to build the URLs. And then I'm messing everything up because I'm not keeping track of everything. I don't like doing things in spreadsheets, which is why Salesforce, um, is here because, you know, <laughs> exactly bad to manage things. Exactly. Um, so I started to look for a solution to help, uh, you know, with, with managing everything and I didn't mm -hmm. find anything at the time. So, yeah. So that's why I, I started down this Uger uh, route. Okay. So what's the, how would you describe the, the app in a nutshell? Like what's your um, elevator story if you were to say yeah. that? So I'm, I'm working on this, uh, the mm -hmm. whole elevator pitch, my give me Uger in 30 seconds. So it just, it helps marketers with uh, demonstrating ROI easily. Um, but it's, it's a, I like that. Um, it's URL building and tagging yep. and management and shortening in one. Boom. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. Look! Look at you say, "Oh, I need help with my my elevator pitch." And you just totally freaking nail it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> Managing my tags, shortening. You said one other thing. Uh, shortening, building, shortening, building, managing. shortening, managing. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. And so, in Uger, you're able to keep them separate. Uh, you're able to remember. Facebook's a capital F, at least our, that's how we're doing it. Yeah, because it. Once, you, once you put something in, you just click um, and select it from what you've already used. So right. it's, you know, it's retaining everything. It's um, super, super simple. That's cool. And now is this available now or is this yeah. in build mode? Or Yeah, so, it's okay. available now. It's, um, the website's not the prettiest, um, <laughs> however. <laughs> First <laughs> version, right? Right, yeah. It works. And um, yeah, it's just, it's uger.com, O-G-U-R.com. O-O-G-U-R. And we'll put it in the show notes too, dot okay. com. So that's cool. I mean, how much does something like this cost in terms of like pricing? Super cheap. Super um, cheap? Yeah. So $12 a month or 129 a year. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Totally. So that that's cool. I'm excited. We're going to definitely link to this. Now, I was reading a little bit. You, now, you actually had to write up requirements for this, right? So you don't just go to a developer and say, build me my thing. They want documentation from you. What do they yeah. want? Well, um, so I have a, a, uh, experience, um, in project management. I've, oh, okay. I've a lot of different web projects and, um, so, you know, really thinking out exactly how I want the, um, the, the application, um, to flow, um, mm -hmm you know, uh, from start to finish, what am I trying to accomplish? And um, what technology do I want it to be using? Um, so yeah, so I, I had to write up a set of requirements that would relay my marketing speak to a developer. Um, and fortunately, right. I was able to find somebody that, so I'm not the most technical person. Sure. Um, but I was able to find somebody that 
understood what I was saying and asked great questions. And so, yeah, we make a good team. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Was there a, so you've done project management. Was there a learning curve to understand what an app requirements doc looks like? Or have you just done that before in the past or you'd seen one or you got a template? Um, How'd you go from one to the other? Actually, so I did a lot of things kind of picture-based because for me, yeah. um, you know, I, I used a tool that I've got on my, um, my Mac to kind of explain the layout and explain the click tracking um, just, you know, in the best way that I, I could. Um, but then he is also really great about, so Google has, um, you know, excellent documentation on their API. And so he was, um, very proactive in going out and doing his own research and learning what was possible. And so it's, it's really helpful because, um, you know, not, not being a super, super technical person and probably not the best requirements writer. Uh, right. <laughs> I got the job done, that's all. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that's even a bragging right, you know, when <laughs> Google, uh, that's all they do all day long. But uh, it's probably more fun things to do in marketing than, but you had to do it. it. And it sounds like a partnership more than just a, you know, build this thing. Here's a doc. It was like a two-way conversation. Yeah, it was. That's cool. That's cool. How long did it take to get it created? Um, so the first release came uh, to me uh, the middle of December. So just a little over two months ago. Okay. Yeah. So it, it took us about, um, I don't know, two to three weeks before I was able to see round one of uh, the beta version. So yeah, it's been really, really fast. Everything is um, like, it's such a blur. Yeah. So did you get bit by the bug? Are you going to be creating apps left and right? Yeah. So the, um, I created an LLC to put this application under sure. and campaign tracker. So, um, you know, there are holes in several different applications that I, I use as a marketer. Yeah. And so I, I hope that, um, you know, Uger is just the very beginning of a series of, of tools or maybe just a, you know, a larger application that will just make a marketer's dream come true. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Like we we're saying in the introduction, we bump into these problems all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, liberating to think that you can you know, write up some requirements and start having something built to, to change that. You don't have to just keep sitting around with the, the same old results. Right. And it's, you know, it really, I don't think that you have to have a project management background or have managed projects or written requirements before. I really think that it's just kind of mapping your brain out, putting it on paper and then finding somebody that's, you know, willing to listen to you and um, help you with getting the technical version of right. what you're saying um, out. And there's a ton of resources like here in Indianapolis, we have um, it's called developer town and developer town starts. And so nice. um, they, they can be that technical um, partner for you. So there are a number of different accelerators in that, that I'm learning about. Um, so if somebody does have an idea and they want to have something developed, you know, it's, there are so many um, options and uh, things available to you. Right. Is that where you met your developer, the one you were working yeah. with or how, how'd yeah. you find each other? 
Um, I actually, there's a, a website. It's uh, freelancer.com. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. Just, a site like that. You just went yeah. to it and yep. filled out a request saying, I want to build a web app. And yep. Wow. Did you go through <laughs> several different, you know, talking to different people? and I did, so yeah. That out? Any tips on that process, you know, looking um, back at it? You yeah. found the right one. You could have went with the wrong one and then, you know. Definitely. What I, um, what I did, I did talk to several different developers and, um, you know, I, ex- I asked them first of all, you know, are you familiar with, um, with Google analytics and, um, just anything, uh, Google or marketing related. And if they weren't, I didn't really want to waste a whole lot of time, you know, spending, um, my time spinning my wheels Teaching trying to explain them. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, just once I had, um, everything written out and I, I shared it. Um, I asked them to regurgitate and repeat back to me what they think that I'm asking. Oh, that's really okay. And <laughs> so how, that, how did that work? It's like a telephone game, but with one person, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. With several people. And then I ended up finding this one and I, I liked his confidence. Um, you know, his ratings were really great. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's why I ended up going with the one that I did. Awesome. That's really cool. I, I did an app myself, um, oh man, maybe eight years ago mm-hmm. and did a similar process. I didn't choose wisely. I didn't, I think you vetted the people properly. And I think if I was going to do it again, I would add that in there. And uh, they built the MVP. They called it an MVP, minimum viable product. Um, product. Mm-hmm. And uh, they built it and it worked. Until a friend of mine looked at it and went, hey, man, your entire database is exposed in this, in the HTML code. And, uh, so I, I detailed everything I wanted. This can be the problem with when you farm something overseas. Mm-hmm. It, you need to say exactly every single detail you want. And if you don't put it on there, and I, and I neglected to say, please make this database secure so that people can't <laughs> see the passcode in the, in the source when they hit view source. Yeah. I didn't say that. So it was completely exposed. It was one of those like, oh, I see. I have to really say everything. Well, Um, and I, so my boyfriend is a developer. Actually, the shirt that I'm wearing is is the, one of the t-shirts from the, he works, it's a startup um, that he works for. It's Costello. Um, It's a deal management platform. Um, It says close the deal. I like that. Yeah. Bam. Mic drop. Close the deal. (laughs) So I, you know, I hear I'm exposed to all of this uh, technology talk anyway. And, um, you know, I I know that like these buzzwords just kind of stood out to me. So react um, with JavaScript Mm. and um, AWS for hosting. And so, you know, I started to do a little bit of my own research. Sure. Um, so we, we use AWS and, um, Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's what Amazon web services, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to be able to scale because I just had a feeling that, um, this might be good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, uh, Another thing, this has kind of turned into a talk about Uger versus reporting, so I hope that... <laughs> well, no, we'll get back to reporting. This is just really interesting. You sort of braved this pathway and you <laughs> thing, and now you have yeah. this app. You, now, with Amazon, you can just click a button and it scales up to another server, right? You can just add resources and... It's, um, to my knowledge, it's, you know, based on use, it, it handles it. The way that he's got it set up, it's going to handle it um, without my intervention. Sweet. 
Um, but we also, so the, the database that we use is called MongoDB. And, um, so recently also Uber was hunted on product hunt and on the same day, MongoDB announced, um, their startup accelerator. And, um, so we got, uh, we got accepted into that startup accelerator. So yeah, congrats. (laughs) Thanks. Um, but then using the, uh, node, um, as you know, one of the latest technologies, man, you're a dev now. It's I know. Too late. You've gone down this path. <laughs> See what happens, everyone. You start out in marketing, <laughs> dip your toe in project management. It's a slow, steady process. And before you know it, you're going to be coding C sharp and building your own iPhone. <laughs> and and calling a developer, right? <laughs> right. And, yeah. Yep. It's over. It's over. You're going to start making semicolon computer science um, jokes pretty soon if you haven't already. <laughs> I don't but, have any of those, so I guess I'm not a full-fledged developer yet. Not yet. <laughs> It'll happen, though. It's already happening. Node, Mongo, AWS. <laughs> is, is this dev, hardcore dev <laughs> show? <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Reporting. So you now you work with some clients yourself while doing this, and you've been doing marketing for a long time. What have you seen? What kind of mistakes are you seeing people make or, in, or the wins that they're making yeah. know, around reporting? Well, um, so mistakes, uh, you know, I, I touched on the not having goals set up, um, not filtering out traffic, <clears throat> not um, just another uh, simple thing that people can do that I, uh, that I don't see everyone doing or hear of everyone doing is just using annotations in Google Analytics. So you, you, um, send out your monthly email newsletter or um, you, you um, sponsor an event and you see a spike in your traffic. Well, if you don't annotate that in analytics, you know, it, it's a mystery. Why That's am I getting point. this traffic? Even if you have you just a, click, right? You click like the uh, yeah. spot on the line and you say, our biggest trade show of the year happened here. So when exactly. people look back at the chart, that makes a lot, it, you know what, do it when it happens, right? Because if you wait, good luck filling in what happened. Exactly. You know, and you can, I mean, you can go yeah. back through your calendar and be retroactive, but. Sure. <clears throat> um, but you'd be retro at that point. Hey, but, you know, we were chatting earlier. I think you had a really good way of describing attribution for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, a, you saw a video yeah, I um so I'm not I don't claim to be an expert in um in attribution or um you know any of the technical terms that go along with Google Analytics, but by the way, for people listening, um anyone that really knows what they're talking about always says that. And the people that have no idea what they're saying, they never ever say that. So I mean you'll hear Elon Musk say, you know, I'm not an expert on rockets, but I, I built a few in my time. So I'm gonna keep going. Go ahead. You're not an expert. Sure, <laughs> sure Nikki. <laughs> Just built an app on Mongo, Amazon Web Services. But that's okay. Keep going. Keep going. Attribution. So, yeah. So, you were asking me, um, you know, my, my thoughts on, on attribution and first touch and last touch. And so, there are a number of different um, attribution models uh, within Google Analytics that you can look at. So, um, in trying to... I'm a, I'm a visual learner. Sure. 
And I like to have, you know, real life experiences relate to what I'm trying to understand. And so uh, in this webinar that I was watching the other day about attribution, um, the gentleman referred to um, attribution with regard to a um, soccer game. Okay. I don't know a whole lot about soccer, um, but I, I played a little bit of volleyball in my time. And I, so I'm relating it to volleyball. So the, um, the first touch attribution to me is like the, um, the server who serves and they, they ace the serve, they score on that, that serve. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, then, and so you're attributing that point to that server, which, you know, it's, there's no question about, um, that's, that's who scored. You you did it. It scored. Congratulations. Exactly. And then last touch attribution um, to me is the the spiker. So you've got your bump set um, spike and you're you're just gonna really slow down on me. We got what's a bump set? This is good. We're we're learning uh, we learned Mongo already, now we're learning volleyball. (laughs) This is good. (laughs) So bumping is you know that you've got your person in the back row who bumps um, you know, they've got their hands together, they bump the ball up or they Okay. Um, and then you've got your your setter um, who sets the ball up for the um, for the spiker. Okay, so, so you don't spike it off the bump; you spike it off off the set. Right. So okay. the goal um, with volleyball, what you shoot for typically is is three hits. So you've got your bump, your oh. first hit after the serve. So envision your net. You've got your server over here on the opposite. Yep. Team. They serve your person in your back row bumps it up to the the middle hitter, which is the, sure, sure. the setter. setter. And then yeah. if that, that set is perfect, the perfect height, the perfect position on the net, the, the spiker then can just slam that ball and yeah. you, know, you hope that the other team doesn't return it. Um, so it's, you can, with the last touch attribution model, um, you're attributing that point to the, just the spiker. Right. I don't think that that's accurate. Um, I don't, I don't like that model. Right. So there's a, um, why, and why is that? Um, why don't you like it? Because with, um, with marketing and with sales, it really takes, um, it takes teamwork. It takes, right. you know, you've got these different stages. You've, the person has, um, more than likely become aware of your brand. So you're thinking about your, your funnel. Um, they've become aware of your brand through maybe advertising or word of mouth or, you know, some way they become aware of your brand. And then, um, they're becoming educated on who you are. So they kind of know, you know, what you offer. And then somehow they're getting to the point that they, um, they read some of your, maybe a um, social media post or maybe a blog post or a, um, you know, just something else that you're building credibility, you're establishing a relationship. Well, now they're interested in your company and your service or your product. And they're visiting your, um, pricing or your features page, they're interested still, and then they get a demo and you, you've got your sales team typically involved in that or um, a sales engineer or something like that. And then, um, and then they get a quote or they understand more about the product. And then finally that deal is closed. So unless um, you know, for sure that, um, you know, you, you went to the store and you don't have to hear anything about this product. Um, 
there's nothing else that has led up to that, that purchase. Um, it's, it's hard to say that last touch or first touch is actually accurate because there are so many different things I think in play and I could be wrong. You know, this is really cool. First of all, I'm learning volleyball more so than gym (laughs) class. You know, gym class heroes, I think is a band, right? But anyways, Uh I I remember doing the, the two hands together Uh and, and, and that's the bumper. Uh-huh. That's bumping. Okay. And then uh, I, remember, I remember that. You know, it's interesting. First touch makes sense. We served it. It worked. But when you get back to returning it, you're planning on having three touches. And B2B, we, we're planning on at least three. At least. You know, three months sometimes <laughs> or, or 15 months. So knowing that there's going to be multiple touches, I could see how it'd just be so grossly inaccurate to say the server, oh no, not the server, the, uh, the spiker is flashy as that person is running up there and slamming that ball down. <laughs> uh, and for everyone not watching this, we're just <laughs> we're like, we're Italians playing volleyball. Uh, but I can see it would make no sense to give credit to the spiker because you, you can't correct me if I'm wrong. You can't, spike a ball that comes flying over at you right well you, i mean if it's weak but the whole point of the bumper block it, but lock it yeah but more than likely you want to set up that nice three three, three set or whatever you'd call it mm-hmm. so that you can really get it all set up to really spike it and, yeah. and do it the right way so it would make no sense give them credit you can't do that all on your own you gotta have right. everyone else involved yep that's a that's a cool metaphor how it actually that kind of ties in even better than soccer because i think it in soccer or, or even watching hockey or, you know, it, it bounces around a lot and it, it, it may take six months for someone to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with volleyball, it's that, it's that constant process and expecting is more of like a, there's a stage to it and then it converts. Yep. And I, I can't remember the, um, the exact, so linear model is um, mm-hmm. attribution and then there's okay. um, time decay. So, um, you know, you, the time decay, um, I think this is the one where there's um, more weight given to the the first touch and the last touch, but then there are also there's weight also given to the the touches in the middle. Right. Um, so yeah, I I just I think that it's maybe short sighted, just in my opinion, to um, to just look at first touch or just look at last touch. Um, right. <clears throat> because you know, realistically, especially in a complex environment, and and. You know, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying here because, you know, the theme for this month is around first touch or if you want to think of like more of like your source reporting because it, it's, it can be the easiest to set up in like Pardot or one of these tools. Mm-hmm. It's so low-hanging fruit that you need to get it done. And then to your point, there's more context available if you start setting it up, tag Google Analytics, all these other places, you got to go do that. Um, but for sure, we we have this as the first one because so many people we encounter, and you've probably seen this too, they don't even have that first touch set up. And so mm-hmm. they can get distracted by who's spiking the ball, who's, who's this, who's that. And it's like, you don't even know who served. Come right. on. It's so easy. Part of it will do that automatically for you if you prepare it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just kind of going further down that, um, sure. that rabbit hole, you know, if, if you aren't um, telling Google accurately, um, 
what it is that how these people are getting to your site um you know your attribution modeling and reporting in analytics is going to be off because um you can't know what was the first touch or what was the last touch if if you're not telling it um you know the appropriate things i like that i think that's another myth you're smashing here which is it's easy but it's not automatic right you know Yes. These tools are there. Now, Google wasn't as easy. Thankfully, now we've got Uger to help out with that. But with Pardot, most marketing automation platforms, you set this thing up, but mm -hmm. you got to set it up. And that's what we've exactly. been seeing people miss is they're not – and uh, I think someone else uh, earlier, it might have been Jim, you were saying there's a discipline. There's like a, a measurement discipline. You have to have the discipline to build into your process the fact that if I'm going to have a campaign, if I'm going to – get a new lead source. I know that I need to go in Uger or go set up the tagging. I need to make sure I set up the campaign, do a little bit of that pre-work so I can actually get the tracking out the back end. You got you to gotta make that effort. Yeah. And it's not even just about, you know, tracking this and tracking that. It's um, when you go to um, ask for more marketing budget or to, mm. um, you know, say that what I'm doing is working, um, you know, having, taking those extra steps in the beginning helps to support what you're saying and what you're asking for. Yeah. It's hard to, people do it. Hey, give me more money. What, yeah. what do you, the money you already, I already gave you. Yep. We've got 300,000 impressions. Hey. <laughs> okay, cool. Can I feed my children impressions? <laughs> Can I pay my IRS tax bill with impressions? Can I? No, you can't you can't do anything with these impressions. Um, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. So it's easy but not automatic. Take the time to set those things up. Yep. Give yourself the context for that. That's cool. That's really cool. And, and I, we were chatting too and I don't know if you I think you might have a do you have a trade show thing because I I was telling my thing I, I know people will get triggered if I tell the story one more time but it was it was that trade show where you know, there's the 80 people and uh, you know what repetition is the mother of skill people so if I tell this story again just go with it but anyway it was a trade show there's 80 trade shows this company was doing and they didn't track any of them they didn't do this pre-work we we're talking about it was easy but they didn't set it up it wasn't automatic didn't happen. So they didn't know which of the 80. And then we, we got involved with them, helped them do some of the simple tracking, mm -hmm. and set these things up to be able to see, oh, actually about what's the number 30 of these trade shows were effective. And the other 50 weren't. They were just spending mm -hmm. money on, oh God, those are so expensive too, on these bullshit trade shows that weren't getting them any money. So yeah. Well, so my story is um, I have a, I know a company. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, huh, how much do I want to out these people? <laughs> well, it's good. You leave them anonymous for now. And, and if you really burn them, then you just leave them anonymous. But if it's weak, we'll have to name them later. But yeah, go ahead. All right. So I, I know a company who um, <laughs> spends like a quarter of a million dollars on advertising, primarily Damn. in print. Um, and they have Prince. no print. Gross people. No this is idea. what year is this? I know. Mickey, is this 1995? Did I in, did I invite you here on an AOL email address? What? You know what? <laughs> I just met the um, the founder of AIM the other day. He really? Just, yeah, he moved um, just a couple miles up the road from me. AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah. yeah. And he founded that. Yep. 
did, yeah, did you get so, bought by AOL? Is that why it was called? Um, so founder, inventor, I don't are those terms able to be used interchangeably? Yeah, probably. Uh, so he I created think he was it. AOL employee. Um, and then I think he and his team created it. What do you do? You created AIM. Now the rest of your life is just downhill at that point. You know, you helped so many teens connect with each other. Yes. Yes. Now it's they Facebook. actually, um, I think that they just uh, what's it, deprecated it. Uh, they, it's no longer. They got rid of it. Yeah, yeah, they did. I got an email saying, "Hey, your old screen name, which shall not be named, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need at least a couple peers for that old screen name to come out," because I did not pick it. My dad was like, "Yeah, you're a cool guy. Yeah, let's let's make this screen name." And I was like. Yeah, why not? It, it can't be that important. This screen name on AOL. What does that even mean? It wasn't too bad, but yeah. Um, but anyway, so the the company that I um, am referring to, they they yeah. spend you know like a quarter of a million dollars in advertising and print. print. Yeah. They do a lot of um, trade shows as well. And uh, when I started looking at their analytics, uh, one of the first things that I did was um, so they have no customers in the city that they actually are based in. And I noticed that the majority of their traffic was coming from the city that they're based in. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so that's, you know, the yeah. uh, filtering where that came from. What, was it that? I mean, it, was no. it? It wasn't just that. I, well, yeah, I mean, their um, it was their sales team using. Um, <laughs> they had a, a PDF um, that they were sending out, and um, they, I guess, maybe they were reading it before they <laughs> sent it. I don't know what they were doing, but um, but there was a lot of traffic that uh, was filtered out after I filtered that um, that city. Or it was the IP address actually. You murdered that traffic. You, did you cut it down by like ninety percent, and they were all sad afterward? Yeah. <laughs> but then. Um, so I noticed that in uh, in the reports, it's like um, I don't know half of their traffic for the day comes at lunchtime, and I am I can only guess because their analytics doesn't tell me anything because they're not doing a whole lot, you know, web based. Um, they. I'm guessing that they, you know, they have a website or a, um, a magazine or some other print publication that they're um, advertising in that's sitting in the break room of some, um, some place that they do business. And, um, but because they're not doing anything to tell their analytics who these people are or, um, you know, what publication they're reading, there's no way to know if what they're spending is actually working. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's my, uh, trade show and, um, I guess analytics, uh, mistake saga. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I get, uh, spoiled when I do so much digital marketing that I forget that some channels still do print. Mar a lot of people still do print mm -hmm. and it's gotta be effective for some industries somewhere. Somehow. Yeah. Not, yeah. not a lot of them but some of the older ones and it may not be nearly as effective as the digital, but that's what they know. You know, mm -hmm. it's the devil they know. Yep. And yeah, not being tracked, but how interesting to, to make that comparison. It's probably in some break room somewhere or what I, like a doctor's office. Like, I don't know. It could be, I'm, I'm just not sure, but you know, just a really simple way to, um, to know is yeah. having a different URL for that ad. Um, 
and I don't know that people would be using QR codes. I don't, do you use QR codes? No, do you? Yeah, <laughs> I used to, but um, my phone, I don't know if you can see it or not. Ooh, my camera just spontaneously, the lens just wow. shattered. Whoa. The only thing I can do is take selfies now. <laughs> now this wasn't in some rage fest where you like threw your phone across the, the room. This it no. just, Samsung just. It's actually a thing. Crapped out. If you, uh, if you go and you do a, a search for a Samsung galaxy S seven um, camera screen shattering, it's a thing. Like um, there's a class action lawsuit. No kidding. Yeah. Well, good. It shouldn't just blow up randomly. <laughs> <laughs> At least this, the glass shouldn't. That was so, the. So you have an S7. So anyone out there, you're shopping for phones, you might want to wait on that one. Come back to iPhone Land. <laughs> Join me and your family who misses you in the iPhone Land. But um, <laughs> or just wait for. Is is there an eight? Is there? I don't even know anything. Um, about I think there may actually be the nine. Oh, okay. I'm a little behind. A little behind. But, you know, when you uh, when you sign up for your phone, you get into this plan, and we we're doing the thing where you pay monthly and you're leasing yeah. your phone. Basically, well, yeah, yeah. Now I have to pay. Um, uh, it's like a couple hundred bucks to pay out my contract. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to use my camera. I I use selfie mode. So if I ever take any pictures of words, it's all backward. But um, so I'll <laughs> I'll use that um, in selfie mode, or I'll use my actual camera, or right. I've got an iPad now, then I can use that. But. Right. And now now when you just go crazy on the selfies, you have a reason. You're like, look, guys, I'm in every photo because. <laughs> I can only take selfies, like my phone. Yeah. <laughs> no, selfie, I don't take selfie. a whole lot of selfies. I'm um, definitely not the selfie queen. Um, <laughs> but I've gotten, so my boyfriend also, we have the same phone. Um, and he handed me his. We were, um, we were in Colorado, and I was wanting to take some pictures at the top of Pike's Peak. Oh, cool. And he... <laughs> He hands me his phone and I just by default, because my phone has been like this so long, I started to take pictures in selfie mode. Like <laughs> You've been trained. <laughs> yeah. The habit. You, you get the new camera, you don't want to do with it. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Well, how did we get to that? Well, don't worry about it. We're just going to keep going. I, my <laughs> camera broke too. And I have a rant to share. I, my phone's over there, but um, yeah, I'm going to go get it. One second. Okay. People are like, what is Casey doing? So <laughs> this is a great segue into my iPhone rant. So I know that Steve Jobs is not there anymore. And one of the reasons I know is because the camera is not like flat. It's not flush with the, uh, the phone. You can't really see it. I'm trying to hold it to the monitor and <laughs> look like an idiot. But um, yeah, I'm a late adopter too with phones. I like to let everyone else beta test for yeah. me. So go get the 10. Cool. And then... Yeah. Let me know how it goes. I'll get it once you work out all the bugs and stop blowing up in your pocket and all that stuff. I'll get it afterward and I'll really enjoy it. So for the longest time, I had a five until recently, a five and they're on 10 now. So I'm, I'm really behind, but it worked and, and it was great. And I never used a case on it because I'd always tell people like, no case, you're so dangerous. And I was like, no, no, no. If, if, if it needed to have a case on it, then Steve Jobs would have like created it on there. Like wow. if, it, if it needed one, he would have made one. And uh, and segue the movie Contact. Do you remember that with mm -hmm. Jodie Foster? Do you ever you ever see that? Mm -mm. 
Long story short, aliens send plans for an interdimensional wormhole traveling device. Jodie Foster gets in and she goes off to another planet. And it's this sphere. And so she's supposed to just get in there. Nowhere in that sphere is there a chair. But silly humans are like, this is totally going to spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it. Anyways, she's like in this chair and the humans are like, oh, let's build a chair for the human. Even though these aliens who are way smarter than us didn't put one in there. They're not dumb. They put a picture of her inside the... Anyways, she's in this chair and she drops something and it floats away. She gets out of her chair momentarily while she's in a wormhole or something to get this thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, the chair, it gets crushed against the side of the wall. If she had stayed in the chair, she would have died. It's like if the aliens wanted a chair to be in this circle, they would have built one or designed it that way. If Steve oh. Jobs wanted a case to be on the iPhone, he would have made it part of the iPhone, right? So I don't know, Casey. That's my thing. Anyways, <laughs> I dropped my iPhone 5 so many times over multiple years. You're not buying it, but I dropped it so many times, nothing ever broke. Really? I, I dinged the sides, I all sorts of goofiness, nothing ever broke. I got this thing, which is an 8, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and first of all, my typing is all I'm an idiot now. I'm like a four-year-old because the keyboard is just a little bit wider. Yeah. And now everything I hit is the wrong one. But yeah. I dropped it once at Dreamforce last year. I just got it. And, and someone, I had like this and someone goes, whack. I don't know if anyone's ever had that happen. And they, they, they just move their arm and it, and it just flies out of my hand and hits the, the pavement, San Francisco pavement. And, and it, it smashed the camera lens in half just like that. Wow. Brand new iPhone, you know, the least, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to them forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it smashed just like that cracked right in half. So anytime I took a photo, it made like a weird <laughs> lighting effect. It, it, it was yep. horrible. And so I, I actually, I got it repaired mm-hmm. because it's not Apple's fault. It's my fault, but it's their fault because I think it cracked because it's the, the camera lens came out beyond the iPhone on the five. It was flush. So if you dropped it, it hit the, the phone, yeah. but because it comes out, it hits the camera instead wow. of the lens, instead of the phone. Anyways. Should have kept that five. Do you still iPhones, have it? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, that'd be really weird. Who's that? Oh, that's Casey. Yeah. He's on five. <laughs> We're on 20 now. Yeah, I know. I know. Late adopter, but you know what? They keep bumping the app sizes up that it's like, if you still had that, I, have you ever picked up an Apple, like a, the iPhone one? You're like, what is this no. weird device? I had one and it was like awesome. It was awesome. But having seen all these other ones, you're like, okay. Well, my, um, my first smartphone was the iPhone 3 and I still okay. have it. Um, and then I do have a 4 still. Okay. And so I haven't traded that in. And then at one time I got a... Um, a Blackberry. I forget which one it was. But that was awful. I, yeah. I got it as part of a, um, like a, a promotion. People wanted me to uh, blog about it and tweet about it and stuff. And I hated it. It was free and I hated it. <laughs> did you blog how much you liked it though? <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, you feel dirty afterwards? Like, you know, I got this free phone and I actually really <laughs> don't want to use it ever again. <laughs> At the time though, like it was okay. Um, because I was still new to new and exciting, yeah. And stuff and so you could play games on it, so it was kind of like Candy Crush. Um, so that was cool. But you know, just going back and forth, I had calluses on my thumbs from texting because the buttons were you know actual buttons and not touch um, touch screen. 
but the um, you mentioned the the typing that you do on on your uh, new iPhone. I go back and forth between my Samsung and my iPad, and it's just so obviously. You know, oh wow! The difference between those platforms too. Interesting. Yeah, iPhone to iPad to um, to Samsung. Like I don't know. It's it's weird. I think that they they want to keep you either iPhone or Samsung and um, you get used to one of them. And then if you try to switch to iPhone, you're like, I hate this phone because I can't type. And yeah, yeah, I think it's a thing. It must be a thing. Just like, <laughs> just like my beveled camera is a thing. Exactly. Yeah. One day Apple will pick up this podcast and they'll go, you know what? He's right. <laughs> we need to go back to flush cameras. So when you tweet about the, the podcast, you need to at mention them. So at mention Apple. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. do that. See what happens. <laughs> Should we tag Samsung too? So yes. they a new phone. Yes, I think so. You hear that Samsung? We need a new phone here. Yep. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, S8, if you would, please, because we know that S7 has issues. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, so how... Who who are you? How did you get into all this? The background, where, where did this all start? You mentioned project management background, marketing. Yep, I was um, I was working for the state of Indiana, doing unemployment. Um, Man, yeah. So a thankless job. Yeah, um, you know, if you got fired and or you quit your job or you got laid off, uh, you file an unemployment claim, and then sure. um, those come into what I was doing. And so, you know, based on Indiana unemployment law, I had to decide whether or not you were qualified. Um, so Did you I started. People that try to scam you. Um. Yeah, there were. Um, yeah, there were a lot of weird stories. I don't <laughs> yeah, think of any off the top of my no, head. No, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that tangent, that'd be a different show. That would be, um, that'd be hardcore state agency. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely some, um, some teachers that were trying to get unemployment um, on summer break, which wasn't <laughs> qualified. Oh, um, no. There were definitely some people that um, got fired for having sex at work, and that was against the rules, so they didn't get qualified. Right. Um, yeah. So. But they still applied for it, anyways. They did. Yeah. I mean, not people. to try means no, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so anyway, I I was working. Now, how, how did you find out about that though? Did they apply for it, and then the company's like, "No way, Jose." Um, so they, they apply and they have to tell their story of, um, you know, what happened. And then you go back and you, um, you're, you inform the employer that mm. they have filed. And then the employer comes back and says, um, you know, they violated a policy or, um, you know, whatever. So there's the whole back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. and then there's, you know, the, um, there are Indiana laws and there are employer laws. And, um, I mean, this is like 12 years ago, so memory is pretty foggy. Yeah. But, but were they like, yeah, the, kid, the person was like, I'm an outstanding employee. And they're like, yeah, we had to steam clean our stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> like we cut your pay. What, did they actually, did the company like report that? Like, by the way, you know, this person violated the do not have sex at work policy. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, what they'll do is they'll submit a, um, a copy of the, the policies. And huh. um, if in fact they did violate a policy, <laughs> then they're not qualified. Highlight that one. That's so yeah. awkward. <laughs> that, that, you would have to go up on some like bulletin board of the, of the crazy stories you would see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Okay. So you, you, but, you're doing that and clearly you were filled completely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Pay was wonderful. Yes. Um, Yeah, I know. So my boyfriend, he, um, I mentioned that he's a developer. He was also working not um, for the state, but at the state at the time. He was a contractor for a um, a staffing agency. And um, we would go to lunch every day together. And um, there were a few other people that went too, and we would play cards. We, We like to play Euchre. Um, and so when we were having lunch, okay. I would hear him talking about, you know, his, um, the client meetings that he was going to have and about the web projects that he was working on. And, right. um, so I, I became really intrigued by that and, um, turned out he needed somebody to help him with, um, customer relationship management and marketing and that. And so I quit my job and I started working with him. That's cool. Yeah. Um, How does that so, work out? Because if you're in a relationship, but you're also working together, I know sometimes people that works, sometimes people that doesn't work. So, well, we're still together. <laughs> hey, <so>. congrats! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um, it, during the time that we were working together, um, it was uh, 2007, I think, that I left my job, and then um, like during that whole 2008, 2000 to 2011 ish time, it was such a horrible, horrible time to be in business. And, Mm. you know, being a a small fish, um, we ended up uh, losing quite a bit. Um, You know, our our customers were going out of business and customers were super, super late to pay us. And so everything fell apart. Everything fell apart, but we managed to make it. So as far as our relationship goes, but so that's kind of, that's where I got my start in um, technology. And um, I started exploring, that was about the time that, um, you know, social networking and social media came out and yeah. uh, used it to connect with people and um, help to, you know, establish the, the brand that um, I was pushing and started um, getting into some consulting for um, my customers um, to help them with, uh, social media. And, um, so that's, that's the, the genesis of my marketing and, and web background. Right. That's cool. You've really been playing with both the tech and the customer side and the marketing side. All I can see how that all kind of gets mushed together mm-hmm. and you can create cool things like apps. I always love the combinations people we've talked to on here, uh, one person had a financial background, then got into marketing and sales and mm-hmm. like accountant CFO level. And so oh, wow. reporting was you're able to actually say stats and say things like ROI, whereas a CFO fee is ROI. is like, is that on net profit or gross? You know, like, so they were able to actually have some conversations, but it's always those combinations that really make things interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those yeah. combinations. Everything I've um, experienced, you know, it, it just really helps to um, contribute to any successes that I've had. So, you know, I've worked for a number of different um, companies and, and um, sectors, and um, it's it's so nice and refreshing. Um, of course, you know, my, my brain is um, just this... Um, 
there's so much dark data <laughs> in my head that I don't realize that I have until I'm talking to somebody that, um, you know, they, I, I had lunch or coffee with a guy yesterday and he's talking about an application that, um, he's, uh, that he's working on and, um, it's going to help with, uh, disaster, uh, relief and, to, uh, preparedness. Cool. And the, um, one of the positions that I had was, uh, business development for a startup ambulance company. And so I've got a ton of, um, like, um, 911, uh, emergency type contacts that I can absolutely help them with. And so it's huh. every, everywhere you are, um, you know, everything that you've experienced really helps to form, um, who you are as a person and, and what you can contribute. So for sure, I like the, the experiences that I've had. You know, I think people in the old days used to, that was like not a good thing. That mm-hmm. was, you know, you're jumping around or you were, uh, spread out in your your focuses, but to your point, it's those experiences that we can draw from later that mm-hmm. might make us valuable in, in, as a network, but also some experiences we can take take with us. You know, uh, right? Yeah, that's, that's always that's yeah, it's really interesting how those those things play out. So you love to travel, and uh, before we run out of time, I wanted to ask because when you when you, we talk travel, and by the way, I just flew in from Toronto this morning. Oh. And my arms are tired. Nice. <laughs> nice. But I'm yes, silence from the whole morning. But at least you laughed. Everyone else is like, this guy's horrible. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go put Tim Ferris on now. See you, Casey. But all right. So you love travel. So what are some of the places you've been to that you just really would go back to? Like, well, it's really cool that you just um flew in from Toronto because um, my favorite, um, I shouldn't say favorite aunt and uncle in case any of my other aunts and uncles listen to this, but um, <laughs> the ones that I'm closest with. Just send the podcast to your favorites. And okay. Then, uh, <laughs> they live uh, in Toronto. So, oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah. Small world. Yeah. Um, we, about a year and a half ago, uh, we spent New Year's Eve in Toronto. And um, so, yeah, I, I like it. Um, but we, and then I also, um, my Salesforce AE that I I'm connected with, he lives in Toronto and then yeah, a girl Toronto. that I just met at a, a product meetup. She's from Toronto. So I just cool. love, yeah. Um, it's a cool but, city, you know, people compared to being the New York of the North and sometimes people can get that New York attitude there, but I've just found really nice people. I love the food um, and the culture and it's just. And it and you have the gigantic buildings, but you also have lots of green, way more green. It's not really even comparable to New York's green as you're driving through it. It feels like a suburb suburb with random skyscrapers. I've never been to New York, so I can't I can't contribute. Really, there. and you haven't been to Boston either, right? No. We need to get like you some said, education. <laughs> I've been to Maine and New Jersey and Delaware, but yeah, up in the you the skipped New- over the best parts. <laughs> Where'd you but, go in Maine? Uh, Portland. Okay. My friend is a, a, well, she was a flight attendant. And so, um, she took me with her on a trip. It was like 40 bucks round trip and she had nice. a 24 hour layover there. So I just, I went with her. It was cool. 24 hours in Portland. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but my, uh, my last trip, we, uh, went out to see my cousin in, in Colorado and oh, nice. Yeah, went up to the top of Pikes Peak for the first time, and I really thought that I was going to die. You, okay, you mentioned that earlier. I'm glad you brought that up again. Pikes yeah. Peak, I haven't been. Is it really as high? How high is this thing? Is it really uh, as high as they say? It's like 14,132 feet or something like that. Um, it's 
It's pretty high up there. It's not the tallest mountain, though, in the United States. I think that one is um, maybe McKinley oh. in you're, Alaska. Yeah, if uh, you're talking, you know. Um, yeah, 14,114. Something like that, so yeah. Just shy of Mount Rainier. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we went uh, to visit my my cousin. We went up Pikes Peak and... Uh, yeah, it was, it was so scary because, you know, when you get you up, hike that up high, it or what did you do? Oh God, no, no, no we, we take drove. a car, just drive. <laughs> yeah. It was so cold too. Uh, um, but yeah, so we got so you out. almost died driving up Pikes Peak. Is it? I was so scared. I didn't, I never realized that I was afraid of heights, but I, I was so fearful that we were going to drive off the edge of the mountain. I'll have to send you some of the pictures. Yeah, I was just afraid that we're going to drive off the edge of the mountain for some reason. Fear is irrational. And oh, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, <laughs> people out there, if you just Google Pikes Peak Road, there's a couple of these where you're like, there's no guardrail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then when you, you know, the closer that you get to the top, the, um, the decrease in the amount of oxygen yeah. or I, I don't know what the the deal is but yeah, 14's high I had to sit um you know when we went into the gift shop I had to sit down because I just about passed out it was yeah. so it was a weird experience it was absolutely beautiful up there but um I'll do it again I think maybe now that I have had the experience maybe I won't be as scared but um, well, you know 14's legit I you know I can see why I think people run up that thing too, which is even more crazy. They have, and I haven't seen, um, I'm surprised that I haven't looked at any of the videos, but they have races up the mountain. Oh yeah. Like I see vehicles, I think yeah. motorcycles too. Jeez. And I think there was actually a, a Fast and the Furious, um, one of the, what is it, 10, <laughs> um, that they're racing up uh, Pikes Peak. Huh. I could be wrong, but yeah. All sorts of shenanigans going on that peak. I can't even imagine that height. It so when I did Mount Rainier, I, I climbed that thing, and and uh, that was hard. Uh, mm -hmm, I bet a couple of days, but it got to fourteen four ten, I think. So very close. And you're right. It you typically right around ten things change and get yeah. all goofy. And I said earlier that's high, and some people out there are like, yo, I climbed Everest. That's twenty nine, you know. So it's all relative, though, because especially if you came from sea level and you went all the way up, there's no change. You're not even getting used to it. And yeah, right around ten. I don't know if you noted. How long did you stay up there? Um, we got up to the gift shop and we were there, um, probably just about fifteen minutes because I had to get back down. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know. Next time, or should you stay up there longer, you'll find not only is it weird to breathe, um, sleeping up there is, can, be, can be weird because you wake up going, am I breathing enough? And you're not sure. Mm -hmm. But also uh, food. I found that my appetite changed as I got to a higher elevation. And Hungrier or? Different taste. Oh. And, and one of the things they would tell us is, you know, pack snacks for the climb that you really like none of this back mountain kitchen dehydrated stuff especially if you've never tried it before this is not the time to see if you like it because yeah. they were they were explaining that when you get to altitude you're, you're gonna get your taste kind of like comes inward and gets very picky so bring stuff you like so they kept saying snickers and that's like the great american bring this thing it's Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love their commercials too, but like bring Snickers and bring stuff. So I brought Snickers, Twix. They even said, bring pizza. 
So the oh. night before, actually, my, my mom actually baked a DiGiorno pizza, cooled it off, uh, put it into individual sandwich bags, uh-huh. and I brought a pizza up Mount Rainier with me. And what was fascinating was that pizza, nom, nom, nom. That was really good. good. Snickers, I freaking hate Snickers. Huh. I guess I kind of, I don't, I don't choose it in the store now. I don't, I really don't like it. I didn't touch them. I basically donated them to my fellow climbers because I just couldn't stand to, to eat it. But Twix, I loved So it was interesting. You kind of learn more about yourself just by, as you go higher and higher, what am I eating? I even think they, that happens with um, airplanes and V8, you know, people drink V8 all the time on airplanes because your, your tastes and things get dry and the salt and and stuff. So it happens. People on airplanes are drinking V8 all the time. Whereas when they get down to the ground, they're like, man, it's kind of salty, but up at altitude, it was yummy. Huh? I didn't know that. Um, what I did know, uh, Pikes Peak, they, um, in their gift shop, they have a, they sell donuts. So I guess the, because of the, the altitude difference, they're supposed to be like really light and fluffy. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like fl- oh, yeah. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Did you try one? That would be really good. Or are you like, no, I, here? I, yeah, I was just, I was thinking <laughs> survival and that was it. <laughs> now, I wonder, do the donuts get heavier as you go back down? Do they I get you know, you go back down and they get all lame and they crumple up. I don't know. Be interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, this this is go- this has been fun. I, I love the tangents. I could tangent with you all day. You know, <laughs> if other people want to tangent with you, I, I mean, how can they get in touch? Let, let's you know, throw out some twitters, the web address again for Uger. What's some good contact ways? Yeah. You um, I am on Twitter and um, LinkedIn. If you want to connect on LinkedIn as well, it's Nikki Laycox, um, and it's L A Y C O A X. Yep. Um, my Twitter handle is just at Nikki Laycox, and then Uger um, at Uger was taken. So I uh, it's, who took it? I don't know. Sue them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Steal when it. I get big enough. <laughs> Take it back. Yeah. But it's O O G U R I T. So I T. Yeah. Oh, Uger it. Ugrid. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you Ugrid that URL? <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Man, marketing. Marketing is <laughs> People say sales is fun, but marketing is pretty fun too. It is okay. Fun. So we'll put those in the show notes. Okay. Um, and man, thank you so much for coming. And thanks for inviting definitely me. you going to check out Ugrid. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Any, any parting shots? Any last moments of wisdom? Uh, I should have planned. Put for you this. on the spot. No, <laughs> no worries. Oh no, gosh. <laughs> we'll talk more about donuts or something at altitude. That's crazy. I'm hungry now. I know. I, I am too. Actually, we, we gotta get out of here. Go get some food. So right. thanks, everyone. Thank you, Nikki, and uh, everyone listening. Thank you all. Um, come to get the uh, show notes. It's hardcoremarketing.com. Core spelled like the Marine Corps, not like the Earth's core. <laughs> and uh, that's it, everyone. So thanks again. If you like this, then share it with someone that you like. If you didn't like this, share it with someone you don't like. You <laughs> share this thing. Just not my uh, my aunts and uncles that I didn't mention. Just don't share it with Nikki <laughs> aunts and uncles that she doesn't like. And no, that's I it. Love them all. <laughs> she loves <Thanks>. them all. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next one. <laughs>